0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Book of the Month. I'm one of your hosts, Dan Ebbison. Uh, I'm also here with Katie. That's me. And Nick. Howdy, howdy. And Peter. Hello. And Rachel. Hey. And we have a very special guest uh, for this month's uh, special episode. Uh, Hopefully by now you've already heard our review episode of Jade City by Fonda Lee. And we have with us the author fonda lee welcome fonda
1: thanks for having me on good to meet you all
2: yay
0: yeah we apologize for putting you in a dark room and surrounding you with five people who inaugurate will berate you with questions uh <laughs> but that's that's the that's the world we live in, <laughs> in so uh i'm just gonna quick read some stuff so people who may not be familiar with your work know who you are uh fonda lee is the author of the epic urban fantasy greenbone saga Beginning with Jade City, which we'll be talking about today, and continuing in Jade War and concluding in Jade Legacy, uh, she is also the author of the acclaimed young adult science fiction novels Zero Boxer, Exo, and Crossfire. LaFonda is a winner of the World Fantasy Award, as well as a three-time winner of the Aurora Award, and a multiple finalist for the Nebula Award and the Locust Award. The Greenbone Saga has been translated into multiple languages, an option for television development that is super cool. Uh, Fonda is a former corporate strategist and black belt martial artist who loves action movies and ex-Benedict. Born and raised in Canada, she currently resides in the Pacific Northwest, and now she's here with us.
1: I am indeed.
0: So, Fonda, we uh, read and have already talked about amongst ourselves *Jade City*, the first book in the Greenbone Saga, and uh, that is what we're gonna kind of be talking about. Today and uh, just to kind of get us started, I guess, can you talk about you know what was your initial inspiration for Jade City and uh, you know what what really got you going on the book?
1: Sure, it's interesting for me to be talking about Jade City and going way back to my origin story with this trilogy because I just launched Jade Legacy, so um, I am in the process of of closing out the trilogy and coming to. For me, at least, um, sort of the end of this journey, and this is a real like blast to the past of oh gosh, what was I thinking? You know, eight years ago um, when I was writing Jade City, uh, but the the origin story for this trilogy is uh, really me taking a bunch of stuff that I love and smashing it together. Uh, it was partly wish fulfillment because. Um, I'm a martial artist. I've trained in kung fu. I also really love um, kung fu action movies and the the like wuxia martial heroes adventures where um, the warriors fly through the air and punch through concrete and run up walls and i felt that that was really false advertising for martial arts because no amount of my training was allowing me to do any of those things and it was very unfair so well then
2: gee what's what's even the point really
1: right like i got this black belt and like i still cannot do chi blasts like what the hell oh, come on so yeah i was like obviously i'm missing something um and there must be a magic reason for why, uh, you know, these characters that I watch on film can do these things. And um, in epic fantasy, magic, substances, gemstones, um, the uh, weapons, crystals are, you know, very much a trope. And I thought, okay, well, um, it's, it's gotta be some um, X factor. And I made that Jade so i mashed together um that initial spark with my love of uh gangster films like the godfather and goodfellas um with asian cinema like infernal affairs and the john woo chow Yun fat movies and epic fantasy um and came up with with this um vision really of a uh epic urban fantasy family saga set in a modern era Asia inspired metropolis and I had no plot I had no characters I just had vibes and I <laughs> wrote down a few lines in this notebook and was like this sounds really cool I had no idea where this is going <laughs> and it sat there for well, like a couple of years while I wrote an entire other <laughs> novel and then when I came back to it Um, I, I started writing it and got like about halfway through and stalled out and put it in a drawer and wrote yet another entire novel. And then when I came back to it the second time, the pieces kind of fell into place and, um, it was, uh, and then it just snowballed from there. Um, and, uh, it was a book that I, um, it, it really was my passion project. I had no idea if this thing would sell. I had um, three other published novels um, that were either on the shelf or were, were under contract. And it was very different. Um, it, for in it, it was a shift for me because I had been writing young adult and now I was writing an adult. i had been writing science fiction and I was writing epic fantasy. And um it was also it went from being like very I went from writing pretty tight single POV narrative to writing like this big cast of characters so it was just like leveling up in all these different ways um and I'm uh, it, it, I had no idea if it would I who would want it because I couldn't think of any other books that it was similar
3: to like I had no other comps um so and- basically you just introduced a whole new genre
1: well, I mean, I didn't think of it that way. I just thought of it as like, well, I'm just going to write this thing because it's cool. And I want to like write the book that I want to read. And hopefully someone will want to publish this. And um, if they don't, hey, I, I just wrote this book that I'm still really happy with and satisfied with. So that's how Jade City came about.
2: Which is, I love that story. And I'm curious because you just said you know, that you had trouble finding comparable titles. Did that make it harder to pitch and sell?
1: I got a deal for this book in the most serendipitous manner uh, because I thought, oh gosh, this is going to be kind of hard to pitch and sell. And I sent the manuscript to my agent. Um, it would like probably like second week of December in 2016 and um, he said great it's it's in good shape Um, let's take it out on submission in the new year a few days later uh, an editor at orbit sarah guan tweeted out a um, manuscript wish list tweet Uh like hashtag mswl and i don't remember like the exact wording but it was something like I would love to see a Game of Thrones-style fantasy, but set in, like, 1930s Asia with gang families and magic. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How perfect is that? It was just... I didn't see it, but one of my friends who's in my writing group who had beta-read Jade City, he happened to see it. And he screen-capped it and sent it to me. And it blew my mind because I had, (laughs) I mean, it's not quite 1930s and it's not like Mm -hmm. our world Asia, but I took that screen, it means otherwise the book that I wrote. And I took that um, screen cap and sent it to my agent and he's like, okay, well, she goes on the top of the submission list. (laughs) (laughs) So we went went on holiday break and then like first week back in January, he sent the manuscript to sarah at orbit and like she basically read it like overnight (laughs) like in a few days and then got like the editorial team on board um and then i had an offer for the three books so we didn't even have to really pitch it to anyone else like we didn't have a chance really Mm -hmm. um and it just happened to to land with someone who like Got it from the beginning, and that we didn't have to convince. Um, and every once in a while, these things happen in publishing. Like sometimes it's a long slog where you're trying to like convince somebody, or you know, you're querying or on submission for a long time. And then sometimes it's just like a bolt of lightning. And that's what it was in this
3: case. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah.
4: Um, kind of the same thing in publishing. I actually, so the, your, the Luma Crate box, I actually got my copy today, which is very serendipitous. Uh, (laughs) Oh. Uh, how was it like working with a company to make that special edition? Because they're more popular, I would say.
1: It was pretty cool. Um, I got to, so I got to see like all the, the prototypes and stuff where they would send me like the mock-ups of the designs, um, both the the covers and then like the special items that are in there. They would send me like, okay, here's the draft of like what the art is going to look like. And of course I would like squee and like have nobody to show it, <laughs> 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 I couldn't show it to anyone yet. Um, and it wasn't announced yet. Uh, so uh, it was, it was really um, just a joy because it's, it, it's like that extra thing that, you know, the, the, the really dedicated readers and like the fans are gonna love and like i just selfishly <laughs> was i am such a sucker for like beautiful books and uh and so yeah i, I was just delighted
4: i might have ordered it before i read chance city uh <laughs> well what would you have done if you
1: hadn't liked the book i mean i guess you could have
4: i probably would have gave it, it to dan i'd uh, or like <laughs> um yeah i was just like it's worth money i actually, i personally i actually picked up the book in 2017 in college and i put it down like an idiot and i'm kicking myself now
1: <laughs> you know it's funny that people um have told me that on multiple occasions they're like oh yeah i heard about this but then like i didn't get around to it until later and um and like now, But I got, like, now that the third book is coming out, I'm picking it up. And books, it's sort of, and I can understand that because there's always, like, so many things on an individual person's TBR pile. Um, but uh, it, it's, the, the wonderful thing is that books don't expire. And, like, now that the trilogy is complete, I think there's definitely a decent subsegment of readers who are, like, Completionists and don't want to commit until like they know <laughs> that it'll be done. So I'm I'm hearing that a decent amount. Yeah, they've been burnt at least twice. <laughs> right.
4: Um, yeah, and I think now that I'm more into like wuxia and things like that, like I'm reading Legends of the Condor Heroes, or Condor Heroes by Jin Yong, and I'm really enjoying that series too. And I think I'm just more in that headspace for this type of literature. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm glad I caught you at the right time. I got to blurb (laughs) that book, The Legend of the Condor Heroes, which was wild because they reached out to me and they're like, "Will you blurb Jin Yong. And I was like, what? Yeah,
4: I just finished the second book, which I didn't like as much as the first, mainly because there's a stereotypical creepy guy, which I hate in books so much, but uh, I'm excited to continue with the third one.
1: Yeah, they're very pulpy. I mean, I think that... um, I think they're marketed a little bit funny here because they get held up as like, I saw someone quoting it as like, oh, it's like an Asian Lord of the Rings. I'm like, no, it's not. It's nothing like that. Like, it's the, they're, just, they're just pulpy and fun and ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and they're this one, they don't actually even fall into books because they were published as this long, like serialized story that had to be chopped up. Into books in order for it to be like print published. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're 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 a different experience for sure. But one that's very close to my heart.
4: Yeah, I really, I really, really enjoyed the the first book. Um, yeah. and the main character uh, is so dumb, but I still love him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: There's just so many all like absolutely ridiculous misunderstandings in that story where you're like, no, why why are you fighting? Like you just you just needed to explain that, but no. Everything it's, everyone just, must fight all stupid. Everyone. Yeah, everyone must fight. They're, just, they're dumb
3: and so they fight. <laughs> Would you say that everybody was kung fu fighting?
5: Oh gosh. <laughs> this is where we need this is
1: where we need the musical interlude. <laughs> oh
5: yes. Alright Danny got <laughs> that in the end. <laughs>
3: You know, okay, I'll do
2: it in a banjo.
3: I'm very <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, guys.
2: <laughs> All right, so I, I'm looking at a picture of the Illumicrate edition, the the hardcover for Jade City, and it is a gorgeous cover. I love it. Um, I'm curious what you can say without treading on any toes about the the original paperback covers to the books, because I look at them and I and I. I they make me think nothing at all.
1: Yeah, yeah. They are. Um, I. I mean, I. I don't think I'm going to be offending my cover designer. At least I hope not, uh, Lauren. If you're listening to this, just <laughs> cover your ears. It's <laughs> no. <laughs> <There's> nothing <laughs> against or uh, against um, the art, art department at all. Uh, but I think that the. I actually have. I've had calls with my with my um, publisher more recently, where you know I think we all would have agreed that if we were designing the covers, if Jade City was launching today, it would have a very Mm, different cover. Um, And uh, I I think for, for a few reasons. Um, One is that like, like I said earlier, when um, the book was sold, it was hard to compare it to anything else. Yeah, You know, there wasn't a lot of other epic fantasy that was set in like, non-traditional fantasy settings and non-European settings still. Um, You know, there was, there was some, Mm -hmm. uh, like I think Ken Liu's Grace of Kings had come out and like, Sullivan and Ahmed had done Throne of Glass. So, I mean, um, Crescent Moon, sorry. And then, um, you know, there was, there was some, but like, there, they weren't quite sure how to position it because it wasn't urban fantasy, which is like a certain type of cover. Um, Mm -hmm. And it wasn't quite epic fantasy because of the modern era. So it couldn't have sort of a traditional epic fantasy cover. And it was also like crime drama. And so that like made them want to try and lean into that to signal that a little bit. So I think because it wasn't clearly falling into any one of these sub genres, uh, it ended up with like a cover that is very visually bold but doesn't actually signal anything about what's inside mm-hmm. right and i think um i think now you see i mean i've i have always loved art covers and so i've i've like yearned to have an art <laughs> cover i have a um, a novella coming out in the Greenbone saga world next uh spring called the jade setter Ooh. of john loon and it's coming out with Subterranean Press, um, which, Ooh. if you guys are familiar with them, they do like limited edition, just mm-hmm. beautiful, like hard, <laughs> beautiful art on their on their uh, their work. And not going to lie, one of my motivations to do a standalone novella in the Greenbone Soccer world with them <laughs> was knowing that I would for sure get an amazing art cover, and I have. It is is an amazing art cover. Um, I'm gonna, I'll do a cover reveal early next year. Uh, but yeah, I, um, I honestly have, have, uh, have just loved all the fan art I've gotten because, um, uh, I feel like, you know, despite the fact that there, that there's no art on the cover, the, my readers have come through for me and, um, <laughs> made up for that.
4: Uh, I will say, um, I will. when I originally saw it in 2017, I was like, ooh, green. I picked it up from the library because it stood out from like, yeah. all, all the other <laughs> books on the shelf in the library. I was like, oh, I've never heard of this. Let me pick this up.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, it is It is a very, like, it stands out. Like, yeah. it's it's a very bold cover, but you wouldn't look at it and immediately think, like, fantasy. Yeah, right? right. Um, And I think that's that was one of the that was probably one of the reasons why it has been kind of a slow build for this series that like, it's Mm -hmm. really, really spread from word of mouth and people um, just telling other people, you know, pick it up. So. uh,
2: And deservedly. So, Um, but can you, although see now I'm stuck imagining what if it had a traditional urban fantasy cover and you just, I could imagine like Shay, with her back turned to the point of view. Oh, looking, yeah, you got to see her butt. Her yeah, she's probably wearing a
1: motorcycle jacket, and maybe she's holding Oh, my gosh, nice. yes. And maybe yes. there's mist, like, coming out of a sidewalk, gra- you know, a grating the street. Yes, yeah, bingo, <laughs> right?
2: And I just, now I'm imagining that and just laughing at it because it's, yeah. it would also not do the book justice. I'm just, so I'm just Right, gonna, like, yeah, that was um, the
1: thing that, at, you know, at, I think at the time they didn't really know what type of cover to to lean into um and so they sort Mm -hmm. of settled it ended up being what it is but i will say i love the cover for the spanish edition i don't know if you guys have seen it but i
2: mean i can use the internet
1: (laughs) you certainly can um but it like it's my favorite cover of the of the foreign translations that i've received it has this very and i know like listeners cannot see it i can't like just hold it up to you um but it it has this reservoir dog vibe vibe to it it's just it's very cool
5: is this the one with the uh group of people walking and um on the right hand side yes yeah wow. ciudad
3: de jade mm-hmm. no probably de jade isn't it i can't find it i'm, I'm my googling skills suck Ah, oh, okay look Ooh, in look in general go. i've got i just put up a picture yeah. with a whole bunch of covers.
5: Ooh. And that is a great cover. Actually, I see You're I right. see a, a tweet from one Fonda Lee with uh, six different editions
3: <laughs> Yeah,
5: covers <laughs> on it. And yeah, I mean, it is.
3: Oh my goodness, this is from your tweet, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> well, look at that.
4: I like the, is that Russian? The one with the dragon?
3: Uh, with the yes. Knife. Yeah. Yeah. That one's pretty sweet. Yeah.
2: No, but I I agree. I think the Spanish one is just that is the most evocative
5: that mm-hmm. I've seen. Yeah. So I, I love that you said it has like re- Reservoir Dog uh, vibes. I was reading some interviews that you did, and I uh, I, I read about how you you were you were, compa- you were uh, making comparisons to uh, Tarantino a bit with with uh, your style of um, world building, which I think you called like oh. a re- remix. Right. Right. Just kind of uh, yeah. Just take from everything put it all together and just kind of make it work um which it is really uh very it, it was very cool reading this book and just seeing all of these different elements of both like sort of uh like a japanese yakuza gang but i also got like godfather vibes at times and
1: mm-hmm. very
5: a- also pretty pulpy like uh like maybe i almost almost you can almost get like some like Pill vibes at times too well, see,
2: yeah. Now I suddenly want to see a Tarantino film of Jade Oh yeah.
1: Well, that would be wild,
2: right? <laughs> oh man. I mean, let's all just just concentrate for a moment. and It would, and, and, and it will would be it pretty over <laughs> over the
1: top. I mean, it w- yeah. But there there's, there's certainly scenes like the uh, the the scene on Poor Man's Road that I can imagine. Mm-hmm in like a Tarantino esque.
0: Just the name Poor Man's Road is pretty
3: Tarantino. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but one thing Tarantino does um that uh, that I I th- I think also is something that I actively do is take Easter It's feet, and- isn't it?
2: It's feet, no, right? No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry this to, this sorry is one of those things we'll cut, and then like this, I'll have it forever. <laughs> right, yeah. Peter saying it's feet. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: but you were saying, <laughs> you were yeah, saying so one that, thing. Now I totally
1: thought. Thanks for that. Um, uh, I I'm, is uh, taking um, influences from Western media and Eastern media. Right? Like he does mm-hmm. that as well a lot. Like so much of of. Of Kill Bill is exactly that like let's mm-hmm. take like mm-hmm. you know Samurai and also like Spaghetti Western and like smash it together um, and th- and yet it like works because of sort of the, the cohesive vision of, of you know the, of the creator um, so that's what I, I wanted to do with like the Greenbone Saga I was taking some of these like over the top powers and wanting to make them feel like very real and grounded and like they weren't superhuman or anything. Like they were, there was like a, a, there were very clearly limits and like the magic was something that was, um, was like very tangible, like a rock that you had to dig out mm-hmm. of the ground and it had to be processed and, distributed and sold and so um uh i took some of those things that i really enjoyed but then like put my own flavor on it and tried to make and wanted to make it very um very relatable i guess very recognizable to our own world
5: so Mm -hmm. in some of your your writing about this world building um you mentioned that the magic system is only really a small part of it. And really it's about the culture that you build around it that right. really makes the world feel alive. Um, how much do you find that the, um, not the magic system uh, influences the culture that you create, but how much do you find that the culture influences the way the magic system works?
1: Oh, there it's definitely both, right? Like there's, yeah. there's absolutely an two-way relationship um there because yeah i think about okay well if there was this magic substance how would the culture develop around it but then also like how does um you know the the how does like the culture then determine how that magic is used um Mm -hmm. and how it evolves and like that's actually i know you guys have just read jade city but like that's a huge part of jade legacy is the way that like um, the ch- the way the world is changing and how, um, you know, society's expectations and norms change also affects um, the way that that like magic is viewed and used. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. for example, you know, now there are, uh, you know, there's, there are, people elsewhere around the world who can use jade um there's a drug that's that exists that allows people who couldn't use jade before to use jade Mm -hmm. and now it's spread and like there's globalization you know there's international travel um and there's a bunch of elements in jade legacy and i don't think it's spoilery but like how is it now being um uh, how for example is jade viewed because of pop culture so like now there's movies mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. depicting jade warriors, and that like influences how people view <laughs> jade because um, it's in the popular media now. That's so, so meta. It's in entertainment. <laughs> it's also in like sports, right? And like so, and it's in healthcare, and like all of those have an influence on like on on KCON and coming back to like the green bone culture. So um, yes, I, I definitely think about all that because. Um, the world, like fantasy worlds um, that I create, uh, I want them to feel like they are, they're not static. You know, they're like living, breathing real societies and they're changing and they're revolving and there's different pressures on them and like the magic system is just kind of one element of that and it's also subject to all the like forces that are in our own world politics and economics and media and technology and all that
5: yeah what, what made me think of that in particular was like sort of those interlude chapters where they're talking about the history of k and how um well basically i mean that history is going to define not really how the magic works but again like you said how the people think about that magic and right. the sort of honor system that they believe in and so i, I found that to be particularly uh interesting when when reading this
2: yeah and you absolutely succeeded with the vibrancy Mm -hmm. and the depth of the world i so as soon as i finished reading jade city i reached out to my local bookstore and ordered jade war and i actually it arrived i don't know a little under a week ago and i finished it today um and and i have to congratulate you And thank you, I suppose, for uh, that very challenging task of making a a second book in a series that is just as engrossing as the first.
1: Well, I'm so Um, glad to hear that because, uh, yeah, second books are tricky for sure. mm
2: -hmm, Um, Absolutely. And
1: they are most often, I went into it with the mindset with like, the second book is the make it or break it book. Uh, It's like most people after they read the first book will like, if they like it, they'll give the second book a chance. But the second book is often the one that like has, you know, that feels well, it's often the one that a writer is writing like under deadline for the first time um, oh, and with yeah. expectations and um, and, you know, with and, and has to like hold the it has to still do a lot um, on to not, it can't just be a bridge between like first book and third book, right? It has to be like its own, book. Mm-hmm. so yeah, um, and you, yeah, yeah, that's it. Was that was definitely very much in my mind was like, how do you make a, a second second book that is just as good, it's just as compelling mm-hmm. as the first? Yeah. yeah,
2: you you absolutely did a great job of showing us the broader world in that in that second volume. Um, I don't know if I, I thought I, th- I thought it was going to lead up to a question, but then I, I just really enjoyed it (laughs) you know my brain is still there because i finished it three hours ago (laughs) Um, i
4: will say i really wanted to read the second book as soon as i finished jcd but unfortunately my library has a 28 week waiting period Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> you should tell them to buy more copies.
4: Yeah, they really should. There's only one. And I'm currently, I live in Houston, which is like Force's largest city in the US. I'm just like, please have more copies. I would like to read this. And Jade, Jade Legacy is just a data. I think it's like 32-week waiting period. Um. <laughs>
2: okay, but so I, I did come up with a question, which is, um, so you know you described the second book can be challenging because often it's the first time that a, a writer is under a deadline. Um, you described to us you know, how you came to Jade City, you uh, you know, had some ideas, you let it sit for a while, you came back to it, you wrote half of it, you went away, you came. All of that clearly, like you didn't have a deadline for yourself. Was this the case for the second volume? Did you have then a contract and a deadline?
1: Yes, I definitely did for okay. Jade War. Um, the fortunate thing for me, it was it was definitely not my first time on deadline because mm. I had written other books before and uh, Jade City was the one that I was writing um, while I was also writing other books and so it took longer for sure and it had to lay a lot of groundwork but once I knew that I had three books um, to work with I could then map out roughly what like the Plan was for Jade War and Jade Legacy, mm-hmm. and not down to uh, a really detailed plot. But um, I knew that I would take Jade War uh, broader in terms of geographic scope, and that right. I would do this uh, with Jade Legacy. It would be um, a larger period of time. Uh, so I had sort of an idea um, in my mind of how I would tackle it, but um once yeah well i once i had the the trilogy contract it was just like a buckle down i didn't have fortunately at that point i turned in the other novel so i didn't have like Mm. another thing on my plate and i just focused on on this these books
2: all right uh i don't i can't speak for anyone else but i have a small list of questions that i'm gonna go crazy if i don't get to ask you (laughs) before you leave anyone else need to need to hit up some some questions on their list
3: I can't find my list. Uh-oh. Where did we write oh, no. these? Where did we Oh I we found it. In... Okay, I found it. Okay.
5: <laughs> um, I have a few questions that are not specifically like Jade City related. So if we want to just st- stick to those for now and if we have time I'll I'll ask.
0: Okay. So Yeah, I have Jade City questions specifically. So, yeah, so go for it. And I have Peter's list also. So
2: Well yeah, but I wanna ask my questions. Well, you
0: should Dan. you should do that. They're
2: mine. <laughs> ask them. <laughs> Um, all right. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask two, two questions. They're different questions. Um, just, just to solidify it in my head, what is the approximate uh, equivalent time period that you imagine for this, for the books? Cause the very beginning, I thought it felt like twenties, thirties Hong Kong or something. And then later other elements that I started to notice brought it up to maybe the, 70s or 80s and then other elements made me think it was the 90s and no I don't have an and that's yeah
1: right so the the question of time period has come up a few times for me and I have kind of two answers to that the first is it doesn't super matter because um, I was working with a secondary world and so I just needed it to be broadly pre-digital modern era so mm-hmm. I didn't peg it to like any specific year in our own world because I didn't, I didn't want it to be like, I don't know, alternate universe, uh, 1963 or something like that. And then people would start right. asking like, well, you know, where's the nuclear buildup? When, when's the Bay of Pigs invasion? Like, you know, <laughs> looking mm-hmm. for specific <laughs> analogous events. Um, and, uh, if you think about epic fantasy, epic fantasy writers have this huge leeway with Time frame. Like we have
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay, it has horses and swords, but like that could cover hundreds of years. Um and uh with with these books, because they're more recent history, um, people look for like the cues, the technological cues mm-hmm. of when it is exactly. So my first answer is doesn't matter. My second answer is uh the story starts about 25 years. Um, after the end of the equivalent World War um, to mm-hmm. World War Two, so uh, that pegs okay. it to like roughly like sixties to seventies.
2: Okay. Yeah. I mean, because I, you know, I, phones, but no cell phones. Uh, at first, I thought that cars were so uh, uh, cars felt so notable that they seemed really rare, but then the you know there's a robbery van later on. And so, I, okay, I had to reschedule or re, reorganize my thoughts. All right, but like you say, it doesn't really matter. It's a secondary world, sorry, second world. All right, a completely trivial question. I haven't, I could never remember or find an explicit description in the book. So when you think about uh, the green bones wielding talon knives, are they holding it in an ice pick grip or a, or a standard grip?
1: So they can do either so okay. uh, the talon knives are modeled after karambits and there's mm-hmm. a mention in the books of them having um uh hilt rings. oh the little rings yeah, the right the hilt rings. For, for... so um so yeah in in like pancake Salat, for example when you when you're fighting with a karambit you can hold it in either standard grip or uh or turn it or flip it like mm-hmm. hilt ring and, and uh, fight in reverse grip so uh so both
2: fantastic all right dan you have some questions
0: yeah um so pulling from our list uh let's see i i think a good one is um about shay i think we all uh really like shay like i think out of all the characters i felt like her journey was perhaps the most relatable uh to like a modern person i think like you know, I don't have a lot of uh, references to being a crime boss like Lan or a. I don't know. I don't know how to describe what Hilo is. An enforcer. Uh, yeah, but like, you like know. king of enforcers, you know. Like right. <laughs> the head tough guy. Uh, yeah, I am not that. But Shay, you know, I feel like is someone who. Came at the Greenbone World from an organizational standpoint, you know, right? Like that's the first thing she feels like she wants to tackle. Uh, you know, as she starts working in and is sort of like I mean, also she's
2: representing a very, you know, a very modern feel of the the character who's trying to find her own way and not be defined by by her pre existing culture or or family, which is a, like a very. I want to say modern, but I'm sure people have been doing it forever, but it feels very modern. Uh, right. She's anyway. perhaps she more, like a...
1: um, well, she is a character who left, right. And spent time right. in a foreign country, which is essentially analogous to our country. Right. And, and so mm-hmm. um, because of that, she has these foreign ideas um, and, uh, and attitudes that are perhaps more of a, more relatable to the average reader, for sure.
0: So, I was wondering, you know, as you're working through who Shay is <laughs> and uh, writing her, you know, was it with um, a complete arc for her in mind, or was there a lot of discovery in that?
1: It was pretty much uh, planned out. So, I, I knew... Um, that I knew what would happen to Lon, I knew what would happen to, to Shea and to Hilo. Um So uh, there's, there's definitely, L- the discovery was really in how that arc happened. Uh, and I'm, this is actually just sort of a general uh, comment about how I write, is that I usually don't start a project until I know the end. Um, I need to know the beginning and I need to know the end. And then I figure out some of the key turning points um, and, and then have to fill in everything to, to make it all work together. Uh, but yes, I knew what Shay's, um, that, that Shay would have this, um, this arc of, of coming back into the family and taking up her jade again.
0: So, in in Shay's, you know, um, her decision to pick that up, um, a lot of that is like finding her space uh, in the family again, uh, and and you have several characters like Anden, probably most explicitly, who uh, uh, is gay or uh, uh, at least uh, is he gay or bisexual? I forget. He's gay. Gay. So, uh, I'm what and and like um, uh, I, w- I was hoping you could talk about kind of how you set boundaries for these characters to you know exist in their identities in a society that is you know violent crime based um, that just seems like a minefield for trying to <laughs> have these characters still have you know. Uh, able to express their identity outside of that and inside of the, that sort of violent classist system that exists.
1: Right. Well, it makes their journeys more fraught and more interesting. And the way that I think about, um, you know, characters who are existing in this society but have some aspect to their identity that makes it uh, difficult for them um, is that, uh, you know, they, they are not just that minority identity or that marginalization right so like and in for example um i knew right off when i created him that he was gay but in his society that is not even like the thing that is the most difficult for him right like he is also Mm -hmm. he's not just gay he's also biracial um, he is an orphan he is adopted into this powerful family uh, he is a jade prodigy He has a lot of sense of indebtedness um, to the Call family. He is also um, uh, wants to help. Um, He is also uh, has this really tragic family history. So um, his 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 identity as um, a gay teenager is just like one facet of him and it And if I've done my job right, all of these characters should feel like fully rounded human beings in which they have, yes, they have some aspect of their identity that they have to reconcile with the type of society that they live in. Um, For Shay, she is a woman in a very male-dominated society. She has always felt like she is competing with her brothers. um, And she has left and tried to become independent. She's back. And... You know, she, she's also, though, the youngest in the family. She's a favorite. Um, so there's, she has her own, uh, you know, issue, things that she's trying to reconcile. And then Wen, um, who's a stone eye and, and has, um, is part of the society as well, but is not able to wield jade, even though her brothers are powerful Greenbones, her fiance is a powerful Greenbone, She wants to help. Um, so all of them have some aspect, uh, to their identity that makes, um, their journey more complicated and more complicated is always good. Like from a narrative standpoint, more complicated is <laughs> always a, um, way to create, uh, tension and also, um, uh, to, to force characters into difficult choices and um that i think is i mean you don't you don't want characters that feel like they um they you know have uh they have an they get a pass off of anything you know like it would have been if, if i was I, people have asked me a lot about like writing these female characters in in this very macho patriarchal society and it's not like women don't exist in those societies there's plenty of women who are in, you know, the military who are in, um, the mafia who, you know, there's, I actually did a bunch I'm of sure. research and I found out that like, there have been female mafia bosses. There was a, there's a pretty large, um, a Yakuza, uh, organization where like the, the head of the, um, uh, the gang died and his wife stepped in to be like the boss for a period of time. Um, I read like a bunch of fascinating articles about um, uh, the Sicilian mafia and how there's like a number of women who have stepped into leadership in the Sicilian mafia because a lot of the men have been caught and put in jail. And Mm. that was, so there's those care, like women and minorities and like they exist in, in these societies and it's absolutely um, incorrect to, to, make as if they don't exist but it would also be really incorrect to make their um their struggles uh lessened in some way you know like if shay had just had it easy and like uh, stepped into the Pillarship and like taken over no peak like that doesn't ring true and sometimes i have readers saying that they're like well shay's my favorite character why didn't you make her become pillar like that's not, that you know, that's, that's not how it would happen. Um, and it's not, like, I mean, she has, there's, so there's, um, there's always a balance for me of uh, making these characters um, feel uh, like they are real human beings and that the different, whatever aspect of it, uh, of their identity, makes it hard for them to... Um, operate in this context is also not the only thing that defines them.
5: If I can piggyback off this a little bit, um, I, I, I read about how you um, have been, or how, how you kind of uh, hate this idea that you uh, write boy books. Is what you, <laughs> right? I, I read. I read an article about this where uh people have said like oh they've asked you if you were gonna write um under like a pen name to like not have a a, your your actual name on the cover of the book in order to try to sell more books or um and i was just wondering if you could speak on that or speak on maybe if you've ever felt any like pressures to like uh either include like male characters to try to sell more books or just like i i would just love to know from inside the industry what pressures you felt and how you've either resisted them or what decisions you've made?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have, I have never received any pressure from my publishers to write under a pen name. Uh, mm-hmm, they have, mm-hmm. you know, they, I've not felt that. Um, I have, at times, felt that the types of books that I write um, might predispose people uh, to. Let me reword that, Um, that the types of books that I write would be more accepted coming from a male uh, name on the cover. Um, And there's been, there have been like a number of times, for example, that has been pointed out that female fantasy authors get lumped into YA, and misshelved into YA constantly, Mm. constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a, you know, there, there's very much a assumption, I think, um, you know, either consciously or subconsciously, um, largely from whether it's like people shelving books or it's bloggers making lists that you see a fantasy novel and it has a female author on it and it, it gets lumped, it gets put on the YA shelf. Uh, And that is, um. That that's not and no shade at all on YA because I have also written YA, um, but there you know there's there is still definitely that barrier of you know women write for for children they write romance um, they don't write uh, gritty gangster you know crime fiction you know like that's there there is that. Well, there there is still, I think, that um, that prejudice that has to get overcome, and and that I have occasionally wondered about. Like, I'll, I'd be lying if I'd said I've never wondered if my books would sell better if there was a male name on the cover.
3: As um, someone but... who works in a bookstore, I can say that a lot of them do get pushed into um, romance in my bookstore, at least. Because, I don't know, just for some reason, oh, you have shifters? You know what? They probably, you know, get into a lot of couplings or whatever. Or they just get put in regular fiction. And even if it's like, you know, the witches something rather. And it's like, I I don't understand it. I know I've moved quite a few female authors from fiction (laughs) to our sci-fi fantasy section yeah just because it otherwise they're just in this huge section, and if you're looking for fantasy, you won't ever find them right
1: and it's it is really um frustrating because you are not only are you moving i mean you're you're essentially depriving that um, that that book from reaching its intended audience, right not saying that like. Oh, there's anything wrong with romance or YA, but like the author wrote this book, uh, meant it for for a certain audience, and if it gets put in the wrong spot, that's I mean, that you're you're doing a disservice to both the reader and to to the author. Um, so right. yeah,
2: nobody should mistake this book for a romance. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't know, chapter five, page forty-two or forty-three. <laughs> forty-three, yeah. <laughs> yeah
5: we Uh, talked about that last time i don't know if uh fonda if you know exactly what we're referring to but
1: i i'm pretty sure i do a bunch of people uh who who like to talk about chapter five (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think
4: that that was the main cause i put it down the first time because i wasn't like in the headspace to do that in the in that moment because i was just entering college and things like that
1: i'm uh i'm really glad that i actually put that scene in chapter five because that's where if you picked it up because you thought it was a ya novel
3: <laughs> that's where you put it
1: down <laughs> oh
3: my oh no oh just think all those like kids that are like oh i'm gonna have this fun fantasy romp oh, and right. it's just like bam oh, oh. no oh
0: no no <laughs> no that's the all gatekeeper right, well, chapter to prevent them from reading about the massacres that happened.
3: <laughs> I mean, that's small potatoes exactly. compared to intercourse. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, let's, let's protect our children yes, from sex, right. but not from violence.
4: <laughs> um,
3: so true.
0: Uh, right, well, right. did uh, uh, Katie, did you have any questions you wanted to um,
3: Well, mine might be kind end? of spoilery it's about Moot and Tem Ben. Are they the same person? No. No. Okay. Okay. Because <laughs> okay. like no. I kind of like had this feeling. Tem Ben gets
1: killed. Um. By by Tar. Okay. okay sorry. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler warning. Well, I kind of prefaced it. <laughs> oh.
5: It's at the end of the episode, uh, so I think it's okay.
1: Yeah, but but Moot gets. He also gets killed by uh, tar but off screen
3: okay because that's that's what kind of made me think they might have been the same Ah, person right i see i see okay well not a spoiler on on my end at least (laughs) um i do have another one two another two if you don't mind yeah do you have any pets i do i have a scruffy mutt and her name is sasha
1: i love it she uh, lies under my desk.
3: Does as she keep your feet warm? She does. Um, That's so I'm cute. To, okay. I'll, I'll after <laughs> after we get off, I'll drop a I'll drop a picture of her into the. Beach. Yay! My other Aww, question yay. was, what are you reading now? And as a sort of afterthought, can you also drop a picture of your bookshelf, please? Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, I'll,
1: I'll do that. Katie likes I love book bookshelf pictures.
2: <laughs> it's it's all she lives for is bookshelf pictures.
1: <laughs> mine are not nearly as beautifully organized as some out there. I've seen
3: some like that's
1: fine. Are, like, that just shorter. means mine it's are loved. Like, just stacks and like there's like horizontal shelving <laughs> on like on, <laughs> on the floor. So yeah, but I will I'll drop a picture. of
3: Yay! Of, thank of that you. It. We, we call it
0: we oh. call I mean, it not rustic. That it's a comp, compi- <laughs> <laughs> Not that it's a competition, but when Mary Robinette was on, I think she had. Did she have shelves organized by cover color?
3: Oh, good. Yeah, they were co- cover color uh, going we, east west. No.
0: It was disturbingly beautiful, yes. <laughs> oh, wow. <I>, but... Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, well, you won't get that from me. Mine are. No, that's no, no organization.
3: I... <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. So, what are you reading now? Right now, I'm reading
1: a book called *The Mask of Mirrors* uh, by M. A.
3: Carrick. Okay, Red. I've heard I've well, I've seen a lot of that on Reddit recently. Oh, cool! So it's it's apparently gaining traction. Whatever it is, is it good? I am yes, uh, I am enjoying it quite
1: a lot. Uh, I just did an event um, with the authors. Uh, it's a co-writing team um, okay of uh elise uh Elms and marie brennan and it is filled with uh it, it's like a, it's about a con artist who worms her way into a noble family and there is um there's a lot of uh of subterfuge and politics and also fashion and it's yeah it's quite enjoyable so uh, that is what i am currently reading uh
4: i'm i might i will say cool. it, it might be in a future episode of f-bomb i might be planning on reading it for
3: one of our games oh. <laughs> <laughs> well then i will look forward to which, hearing uh, more about which it which theme does that fit in rachel political fantasy
0: oh. oh we have a political fantasy one coming up i don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you really Ooh, need a, to be more prepared. Yeah,
1: that's a that's a good pick for a political fantasy. Yeah,
4: I'm excited. I think it's in like two <laughs> more episodes. Uh, anyways, I think. Well, we... look
1: forward to that, team. <laughs>
4: yeah, I think we should start wrapping it up. So,
2: we... yeah, I want to sneak one more <laughs> in, and, and then I'll leave it <laughs> to Dan because I'm I'm greedy. Um, uh, I'm a, a game designer. Uh, if I wrote up a tabletop role playing game for the greenbone setting. Would you consider coming on for a and playing for a one shot like podcast recording?
1: Oh, maybe i I'm not <laughs> so I don't have a ton of tabletop role playing um, experience under my belt. Uh, I've played some d and d, so uh, I. I can probably get a hang of the basics. But yeah, uh, let me know.
2: Okay. Yeah, maybe is all I need. I will I will t- there's nothing pressing about this. I'll take some time and I'll reach out in the future and that would be awesome. Okay. So, and cool. Thank just you. Danny this... take us take us away. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry, Katie. <laughs> I was do just something. gonna
3: compliment Peter, but that's fine, I don't have to.
5: We <laughs> <laughs> did have a very successful uh, Kickstarter for a tabletop game recently called The Well, so
3: Oh, yeah, I was going to say that he is he is also thank a very you. good DM. He he runs a good game. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very oh, cool. Thank you. Okay, now I've Yeah, we forget sometimes you. that
0: Peter's legit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I forget sometimes that Peter's legit.
1: <laughs> what was the game called that you just kickstarted? Uh,
0: it's
2: called The Well. We kickstarted last December and I've spent this year uh, fulfilling, so I, you know, Published, uh, printed, and sent to uh, about 750 backers. Nice. Yeah.
0: it featured a monster called a Tooth Swarm. (laughs) Uh, That's That's what you can look forward to, yeah.
4: They're very scary. (laughs) I fought them. That does sound scary.
0: (laughs) Well, it's been a pleasure to have you with us, uh, Fonda, and uh, thank you so much for... uh, being a great guest and answering all our questions for this hour.
1: Thanks for Uh, reading and enjoying my book and chatting with me.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, universally we loved it. So hopefully uh, you'll have a chance to listen to our review episode, which if you're listening to this uh, also came out this month. Um, So keep an eye on the feeds. Uh, If you want to be kept appraised of uh, everything, you can find us at too many thoughts, media.com. A Fonda, where can folks uh, find you on social media or wherever you would like to send people?
1: My website is fondalee.com. I also have a Patreon where I post Greenbone Saga short stories and Q&A videos, and uh, that is Patreon slash Fonda Lee. Um, I am on uh, Twitter at Fonda J Lee and Instagram at Fonda.lee.
0: Uh, all right, and uh, you can check in the description for this episode where we will have links to all of those places. Uh, I have been one of your hosts, Dan Evanson. You can find my stuff at DanielEvinson.com, where right now Project Juno is still going on, our collaborative world building thing. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, hopefully, it's we're in a period where you can all, where all of you can contribute. So head over to slash juno and check it out. Uh, I've been joined. Uh, Katie where that's can folks find me you,
3: Katie? Um, you can find me on Twitter at me book where I tweet if I remember I have it and also check out my bookstore um, it online at oh my God what's my website Griffin's Griffin's, Griffins Roost. Roost, bt. <laughs> <dot> com, sorry <laughs> uh,
0: also here's Peter
2: oh hi I'm Peter I'm Peter it's still me you can find me on Twitter at shoeless Pete or uh, my game at shoelesspeatgames.com. And uh, yeah, give yourself a high five. I think you're great.
0: And Rachel, where can folks find you?
4: Hi, I've been Rachel. You can find me at most social media sites uh, at Argent Reeve I've been most active on Instagram recently. So you can see me try to take photos and failing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Nick, why don't you take us home?
5: Uh, yeah, you can check out uh, this podcast and other podcasts on too com, and you can email us there, uh, too media at gmail.com, and you can join our Discord, where we uh, can be harassed directly.
4: We might <laughs> respond. All
5: right. <laughs> Fonda, thanks
0: once again, and this has been the Fantasy Book of the Month podcast. Keep reading.